Welcome to I Have Issues. I'm Lucifer Storm, and I have a very quick question for you. How are you? How the devil art thou? Hopefully, you're keeping well and keeping safe. I have a great guest joining me this evening. I cannot wait to talk to this guy. But before I bring him in, I just want to remind everyone that currently on Indiegogo, my campaign for Lady Satan, an angel in a killer's dress, is live. You can go back it now. We've already hit 33%. And on top of that, I've had a few messages from people saying, hey, look, you know, some of us, we live in places where we can't get the mail or because of COVID, shipping containers are making the shore, but nothing's being shipped from them and stuff. So they have to wait even longer than they normally do. So we've added a digital edition of the book as a perk to this campaign. So if you want to go check out this campaign, there is a link in the description box down below. On top of that, recently I did an interview with Indie Comics Underground about Lady Satan. There is also a link to that in the description box down below. And our guest this evening is responsible for a great book called Monster MD. I've backed it myself along with a few thousand other people so why not check it out there is a link in the description box down below and the man responsible for this campaign is none other than von klaus von klaus how the devil art thou good sir <laughs> i'm the i'm feeling like a pretty good guy i'm feeling pretty healthy over here how about you how the <laughs> devil are you lucifer i'm doing good man i'm doing good and i'm glad to to have you on the show i keep seeing you on other people's streams and i'm like man this is this guy's the life of the party in the indie <laughs> comic scene he brings the fun to every party he's at <laughs> well yeah that's because i've got a problem man i, I like to party too much that's my problem and uh but, yeah that's, that's what i bring is, this, <laughs> is, is there such a thing as partying too much Trust me, I don't know. Just look at Keith Richards' face, you know. That's all I can say. <laughs> Behold the future of those who party too much. But damn, did they have a good life, right? They lived, and that's exactly. what I like. That's exactly. What I'm like. I'm about. You, you know, and, and I see them doing a lot of high-fiving, which is always a good sign to me. You yes. know, so it can't be that bad. It's not, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like the other people at right. the party who were like, I'm so offended by this. I never see them smile. What the fuck's up with that? They're a fucking dipshit. Waste of time. They don't have fun. <laughs> people for, well, that's the thing. That's what this is all about. That's why I make comics is we've forgotten how to enjoy things. And I think that's one of the keys to life is, is figuring out how to find what you love and really enjoy your life. Yes. Um, and th there in, lies why I make comics. Um, I enjoy that more than anything for a lot of reasons. And I'm sure yeah. we'll get into that <laughs> as we oh, go. Oh, absolutely. Because the first place I have to I have to start is when did you start making comics? Oh, awesome. I love this. All right. So we're going all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, we go, we're going right back. <laughs> going right back to me on my knees using a bed as a desk <laughs> while I draw my first comic, uh, which is called Pistol Possum and Gang, about a trench coat wearing, fedora wearing possum with a giant uh, 44 Magnum uh, and kind of a weird animal-esque, I guess, anthropomorphic uh, 1930s weird world, totally inspired by what was going on at the time, which is we're talking eight, 1980s, Ninja Turtles are on the shelves, um, but they're, and they're an indie comic. 
They're yeah. not big yet. They're not a cartoon yet. They're not mm. figures yet. Okay. But they're huge anyway. Everybody loves them. They're getting bought up off the shelves in all the comic book shops. And that's what I love and I'm all about. So huge influence on me and then got me making my own comics. I would say that and things like violent anti-hero stuff like Wolverine and Punisher back in the day. And of course, Frank Miller came out with Dark Knight Returns and that was a huge like game changer for me as a little as a little kid. I probably shouldn't have been reading it, but I mean, that's what I liked. I liked all the violent, crazy 80s uh, gore and the horror mover, movies and the comedy and just like that pure fun that we kind of like achieved in entertainment then you had this horror boom you had all this creativity you had great practical effects you had great ideas for scripts and great characters it was just a great time and i just soaked it up so much and i and i ended up making pistol possum and gang he and radical rabbit who's this like ninja knife throwing rabbit and danger dog the big bulky kind of bruiser of the bunch with the shotgun get into these crazy adventures and fight off the lizards and the rats and what have you and it's i'm a little kid making comics and i'm having the time of my life i've stapling them together i'm xeroxing them <laughs> i'm uh <laughs> coloring them with my crayola markers and stuff but i mean it's they're violent you know, yeah. people get stabbed and shot and they get their brains blown out. It's great. Anyway, so that was where I started. Um, and then from there, I, it, comics was like something I would, I would do other things with my life, of course. And then comics was like this mistress I always came back to, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. It, it was fun. Um, in high school, I ended up making my first real deal comic. Uh, still kind of something that we made at Kinko's, though, and stapled together. Uh, with this artist who really wanted to make something. And we made a cyberpunk book that's very Ghost in the Shell inspired. It is the 90s and Ghost in the Shell and anime are starting to hit a little harder and become a little bit more uh, well-known. Um, I was already like addicted to the 80s anime that showed up like Robotech and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, back, so I loved it. But yeah, it's it was uh, time to kind of do our own books. So we did something called Info Speed, which was about... Uh, people <laughs> about these uh, agents who have to go and pick up people and kill them because they've been shooting up. Uh, basically, we've been storing and tr uh, sending information via DNA because it's such an, uh, an efficient form of uh, information uh, data exchange and holding. It holds so much. And people started realizing you could use it as a drug. So they started injecting it as a drug and it began mutating them because it's DNA. Hey, um, <laughs> and these guys have to take down the crazy mutants and kind of, you know, in a cyberpunky Blade Runnery world and use their tact and their wits to take them down. And uh, that was like a one issue thing that we just did to just do it and see how it was. And it was cool. You know, um, it was me writing my first comic script. And when I look back on it, I cringe because I, I can't believe how many panels I put for every page. It's like eight, <laughs> nine panels every page. The poor artist. I don't know how he got through it. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but that was how it worked for me. I was always into art. I was always into writing. And I was winning contests for both drawing and writing growing up as a kid. And I just loved it. It was where I could do things my way and, I, and enjoy it. And so as I grew up, I was drawing a lot. And, um, and I went into school for med school. But the whole time, I was just drawing comics, man. I was reading <laughs> Battle Chasers. And I was drawing like Maduria style. And I was I love it. I was drawing Batman. I had a Batman obsession. I, I had a Spider-Man obsession. Like I had all these, like McFarlane when he did Spider-Man was a huge influence. Um, I was just really into that. But I 
I wanted to go into pre-med and do uh, forensic pathology for a little while. Um, yeah, it was cool. I learned a lot. I was into it. Also, artists who can draw and visualize can become pretty good surgeons. You can usually yeah. a lot of surgeons are actually very good at art. Um, I was into that, but man, no, I, I love designing stuff and doing T I was designing all the campus organizations, logos, t-shirts. I was drawing, I was doing a lot of flyer work. Um, you know, so I realized I was doing that and enjoying it more than the medical stuff. So I ended up leaving and going to school for graphic design and art history nice. and ended up, uh, studying landscape painting under New York artist, Daniel Lang who was, he was incredible. And I stayed in Italy for a bit studying with him and learning more about art, learning more, I mean, you know, art history. I know it inside yeah. and out. I was thinking about becoming a professor in that, teaching that, or at least just going around the world. But I heard like pay for that is just, you know, not so hot, not too yeah. amazing. Um, you just do it for the love of it. And I love it, but I still love making my own stuff. I always come back to cre creating. Uh, on my own terms. But the interesting thing about Daniel Lang was he he made me realize that when we're influenced by artists, we're not just influenced by their work. Uh, when we're really influenced by them, we're influenced by how they think. And that's yeah. what's so important about them. They teach us how to solve problems or how to creatively view things in a way that we haven't thought of before. And what we end up doing is seeing the world in new ways. And Daniel taught me that the world can be most enjoyed and effective when things are simplified and beautiful. And that's it. That's all he was about. Simplicity and beauty. And I think that really had an impact on my work to this day. It's what I go for in my writing. It's about, it's about moments. It's about yes. the special little moments uh, of the human experience that we try to capture. And so that, that was a really big influence on me. And then I ended up leaving art school and becoming a bit of a vagabond and hightailing it to Austin, Texas, where I tried to work in video game art and stuff. And of course, couldn't make any ground. And instead, of course, I end up making a bunch of comics in Austin, Texas. I make, <laughs> I make a romantic comic about love. I make, um, and then I, and then I made like action comics about, you know, ninja witch hunters and feudal Japan. And I drew all these. Um, and I got to tell you, they're okay. They're very manga inspired. I was yeah. much more manga ties back then. And then I started moving away from that. Of course, still loving manga and taking things from it to, uh, to this day. You'll find that in my work. But... Uh, but I moved on to more Western comic love too. And I start, I remember I ended up moving or I ended up realizing I wanted to write. I wanted to tell stories. I was writing a lot of screenplays, um, also. So I yeah. left my vagabond life of, uh, you know, uh, in Austin and went to Chicago and went into film school so I could learn screenwriting. So I could learn, um, the elements of story and just become the best storyteller I could. So yeah, my life is really like a lot of years of visual art mixed with history and philosophy and ideas of art and great artists influencing me. And then getting into story later in life and becoming much more of a writer guy, which you know I am today. But to this day, I still design all my own characters like I did way back with Pistol Possum and, and in high school when I did that info speed book. I still design all my own characters. I still do it, you know, my way visually. Cause I'm not just about the writing. I want to, I want to contribute. <laughs> I, I have a vision and I want to make it happen. You know, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So the film school was great, man. I did really well. 
Um, I wrote a lot of scripts. I learned a lot. I um, I made short films, um, not just mm -hmm. through the school, but like just on my own, like write, written and directed ghost stories and stuff like that. But I realized something really, and I had the head of animation come to me and ask me to write a script for his advanced animation class. Uh, that would be like their big final project. Yeah. I basically my name was was getting floated around as like kind of one of the you know the main. I mean, I was a little older than everyone by then, so like I had that maturity edge, I guess. And I I had been yeah. working in arts and writing for a while, so I was standing out, I guess, amongst the uh, the younger crowd. And and let's face it, like my teachers were the only ones who got my jokes. None of the kids understood anything I was saying. Uh, they were in another world, like another generation. And I and they would like. The teachers, though, they were more close to my age and we were laughing our asses off. So I had a good time there and I did well, but I realized something crazy after leaving school, which was, or graduating. I was like, I don't want to work in film. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to go to LA. Uh, yeah, like I was like, I was by the time I left school, I saw how far left things were becoming and politicized things were and how yeah. uh, discriminatory it was becoming. And I realized, like, man. Like this isn't what I want to go try to do. I'm going to get my butt kicked. And I'm not, and I'm just going to end up coming back because I noticed that a lot of my teachers, that's what their story was. They went out yeah. to LA, got their butt kicked, came back bitter and angry, and became teachers. Like I didn't want that to be my thing. I started working towards becoming a teacher of writing because my belief was that we're in kind of a cultural crisis. We're we're losing the good elements of story and writing in our culture yeah. and turning it instead into messaging which is yeah. political messaging, which is far left messaging, which they made me take a class that taught me that before I was allowed to graduate, which I was, you know, I faked my way through. It was all indoctrination. <laughs> it was garbage. And it was not healthy for story um, at all. And, um, and so I, my idea was I'll teach kids the importance of good story and yeah. heroes and characters we can relate to and resonate with. And so that we don't lose that. But then I realized I would get fired if I was a teacher in about 10 minutes because you know, I'm I'm more conservative mm -hmm. in my in some of my ideas, and uh, and I don't like any of their ideology, and I call it out a lot, and I would just get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would put a bunch of time and money into that career that's going to get shut down in about half a minute on a college on a college campus of you know liberal professors or whatever. So I was like, I can't do that. So I end up like forming this career um, in Oklahoma. I moved back to Tulsa where I grew up. And I formed this career of making media, you know, full time. And then I come home and I put it all into my comics. I put all the energy I've left into great story, great books. And, uh, and now of course, part of comics gate, um, I'm, uh, I'm making comics that, uh, hopefully appeal to an audience that doesn't feel like there's anything for them on the shelves anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're, you're the audience wants and saying, okay, I can deliver that for you. To a point, yeah. Um, it it's true. Yeah, it's I deliver what they want in terms of like escapism and all the like broad strokes of entertainment. But in the end, there's a selfishness to it, I admit, because it's me creating on my own terms, and that's really what it's been yeah. about for me. I'm really don't like that's part of why I didn't go into film, and that's why I, you know, don't want to be a teacher. I want to do things my way. And that's what my comics yeah. are. <laughs> I, I I can relate to that because that's exactly how I felt like approaching the indie scene was like, look, the stories that I want to tell, 
Marvel are not going to come knocking on my door and go, hey, can you fuck up the Fantastic <laughs> Four for us? You know, because we, yeah. we really like the fact that you take it that extra step, that you don't see the line because the line's somewhere over there, beaten and abused. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I was, like, I, I was like, okay, indie comics is for me because I can do it on my own terms because like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, like, I hate it when you watch a movie or you read a comic and, like, one example I like to bring up is The Dark Knight from 2008. A guy in the beginning gets shot at almost point blank range in the stomach, not one drop of blood. Sorry, if I was doing that, it would be very fucking different. <laughs> yeah, we're talking panels of people just coated in blood. That's I yeah. just before I hopped on, I just finished writing. Let me see, maybe I could read it. But I basically wrote like this: this daughter is watching her dad get murdered in front of her, and she's just coated in daddy's blood. Um, it's awful. It's horrific, but it's part of the plot. It's what happens, man. Yeah. She loses her family. So yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, you I I think it's so fascinating. There's this generation of us who grew up on that comics in the 80s and we don't have time for what they're making now. We're bringing yeah. back that fun, boisterous violence, hyperviolence, sexuality, fun, uh weird characters, weird situations, over the top craziness that we grew up yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. The hard R-rated stuff like Predator and Aliens, we're like we're kind of bringing that edge back to things, and I, I mm-hmm. think that's so refreshing with what we're getting now. I mean, like I did the stupid mistake of a little while ago, going, "Okay, I'll check out this new Mut- Mutants movie and see what it's like," and it was just so fucking flat all the way through. <laughs> and I was like, "Why? Why did I do this to myself?" Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> It's amazing. You're the first person I've met who's watched it. it. It was like a very long episode for a TV show where people just sit around talking. Ooh. And and then what at the end, they fight a demon bear for about five minutes. Oh, that looks cool it. in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. The, the demon bear effects are like pretty cool. But mm-hmm. even though like a majority of the movie was like the characters talking so that, you know, you can get to know them a little better. I just got to that point where they're fighting the demon bear. And I was like, yeah, but I don't care about any of these fuckers. Right. You should. Yeah, exactly. You don't. Yeah. They fucked it up. They, <laughs> they fucked Big. up. <laughs> Big time. That's the whole point of what we're doing. Like they got, you got to care or else there's no point. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, personally, you you might follow this with your writing as well. Like when I talk to people about writing, one thing, one thing that always comes up is the subject of structure. And I always say to them, look, if you're using a three act structure, don't think of it as beginning, middle and end. Think of it as pity, fear and catharsis. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. In that first act, make me pity the lead, because if I pity (laughs) them, I will feel some sort of connection in that second act make me fear for them because then that connection is solid and then in that third act i will fucking cheer for them when they're like okay let's kick some ass <laughs> yeah no that's great very much so very much so there you go i think that's a great way to look at it they uh, there's other ways of doing it too that people have but whatever works for you and that's actually a really good mm. method there i i I guess instinctually I know that I need to do that in my acts, but I just look at my, I, I will give my acts little titles that are really simple. Like, um, yeah, they'll have like these little titles, like chapters in a good book, you know? Yes. Yes. And, uh, and I know I'm building up to that craziness at the end. So it's part of the fun. 
I, I also have to ask, I noticed in the trailer for Monster MD, I was like, hold on, Wyatt's wearing a Mayhem t-shirt. That's interesting. There's some musical yeah. influence here. People <laughs> love that Wyatt's wearing a Mayhem t-shirt. I hear that all the okay. time. Like people go, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it was, it suited the character as part of the, the, the metal feel of the book and just the mm. world he lives in of, of like of craziness. But yeah, man, it's, it's a rock and roll book. And I think, yeah. I think when I put the mayhem logo on his shirt, I was just like, it just fits. It just works. It looks like he's a strung out metalhead dude wearing a doctor's coat. Like he should. <laughs> as yeah. He, so yeah. yeah, man, I'm glad people have liked that. <laughs> oh hell yeah like i said it was one of the first things i noticed in the trailer i was like oh yes this is a book for me this this is exactly <laughs> what i want why have i not backed this sooner click <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> and, and you've had great success with the campaign so far like what was it 1900 and something backers yeah yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Congratulations on that because like the book does look fantastic. Absolutely Thanks, fantastic. What made you want to to make Monster MD? Um I had what was I doing? I was working in a tea house in Chicago. Serving tea to old ladies and sitting back sipping tea on my own and I I like to write and work on stuff and I remember Monster MD kind of came about as such a fun idea that I couldn't leave it alone or it doesn't leave you alone. It yes. haunts you. Yes. Um, and that's when, you know, you got something good that you should probably look into and probably pursue because when you make a project, it's a lot of work for a lot of time. Make sure you're, uh, you know, committed to something that you love, right? It's like a relationship you're going to be in for a while. So I monster MD was originally me sitting down after film school and going, I need cute kids and family idea stuff too. <laughs> um, because back then I was in the mind frame of I'm a screenwriter. Yeah. Not a comic book creator. And I came up with the idea of this cute Pixar thing in my head about a doctor to the monsters. It, it, the comedy wrote itself. It was mm. fun. It was weird. I didn't develop it a lot. It was more just an idea sitting in a, sitting on a hard drive somewhere. Right. Like, like yeah. all of us writers know. We have them. Um, then later I had a nightmare about a guy who was trying to help a werewolf that was snapping at him. To like, that was strapped down to a medical table. And it was just, and he was in this crazy, like mad doctor's lab, but it was inside like a medical truck. Um, because I, and I love the idea of mob doctors. You know, when you see it on the TV show, there's a mob doctor. I'm always like, what's his story? To me, that's more interesting than some of the mafiosos. Like, who's the guy who, who you know, he heals them, but if he says or does the wrong thing, they'll just plug him and shoot him, you know? Or who's the guy who's a doctor, but he, like, definitely doesn't have a license? Like, what's his story, you know? <laughs> that stuff's cool. So um, mixing it with monsters just worked for me. Um, I grew up on all the 80s monster stuff and all the classic universal horror stuff. I have a bunch of the models here on my shelf that I painted as a kid growing up. I've loved horror since forever. And 80s horror especially was an influence, as I mentioned. And so it just fit. And the idea kept haunting. So I was sitting in this tea house writing the script and just chuckling the whole time and having fun. And then that's how it came to be. It was like a little short film script. And of course, back then, like I said, I'm a, I'm a screenwriter and I'm also thinking about making it into a short film in Chicago. Um, but I got to admit something like I hate making movies, man. Like I hate being on set. 
I hate I hate just sitting there like you know bullshitting with the other people on set. I hate all the the um, different things that happen that change your vision in a movie. You have no yeah. you lose control. Yes. Yeah, far too often. So I was just like, why would I make this into a movie when I can make an awesome comic? And I set out to make a comic in about 2014, 2015 with this other artist, not the current one uh, on Mon on the campaign. And we made a little 70 something page uh, book. And he kind of he bailed at the very end and didn't didn't uh, give me final pages for the last pages and screwed me over, took my money, ran. And I was very defeated. Gotta admit, I was down and out. I was, uh, what do I do now type mode. And then I met Marco, Marco McCagney from Italy on Facebook and his art is so good. And it's not just that it's good. It's creepy, funny and animated looking. And it was everything that I saw for Monster MD uh, way better than my previous artists had been. And here's the interesting thing. When I worked on that previous version of Monster MD with him, he had turned in such half-baked work that I drew a lot of things myself, put in a lot of graffiti and stickers on that. Like I did a lot of details to kind of spruce up the book, make it look better, make it look, make the world seem more lived in and, and, and interesting to check and to look at on, on the page. And so that ended up inspiring me, or I ended up working with Marco. And then I brought what I learned from that previous book uh, into the new one. So there's a lot of, of that like world building stuff there's a lot of stickers and graffiti and like kind of a, a natural lived in just kind of messy world um i mean that's how i view the world anyway in general so it just worked and um and uh, marco ended up saying yeah i can do this book with you he did a cover for me and a pinup and he he understood the the project right away he's been amazing to work with and i said well do you want to do the book and when he said yes i was like i have i have a special team here i brought over my colorist tanya wicker from russia who had worked on the previous monster md to work with marco and when you blend her colors with his art it is something else it is something magic <laughs> and so yeah. monster md came to be man and i said okay this project is worth starting over doing a crowdfunder doing the whole bit for it because uh it's turned into something else, um, something that, you know, it's, it reached the quality that I've always wanted, you know, for, for my books. So that is awesome. Uh, Ginge is actually asking, uh, when does the book ship? Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly when I'm getting the printed copies in, but they are being printed. Um, nice. But it's going to take some time this month. I yeah. probably am going to be shipping in 2021, which makes me very sad. Like I did not want that, but you know, we had to fix it and perfect it for print. We had to like everything that had to get done has been done to make this the best book um, I can make and to make it the best quality for customers. So yeah. we have, we'll be shipping in 2020 at the beginning of 2021. I just don't have an exact date yet. Cause I don't know when those books are getting here. And then uh, my letterer, my and friend, Eric Weathers is coming to sign them with me. So we got to get that, you know, there's a lot to do. Uh, until then, I'm just getting everything prepared. <laughs> hey, that's cool, man. That's cool. I appreciate that because at the end of the day, like I want the reader to get the most bang for their buck. I don't want them to turn around and go, yeah, you kind of rushed these last few pages, didn't you? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Definitely. You you uh it's this is uh it's it's whether or not they're gonna come back for more, right? Is something yeah, that absolutely. you got to think about when you do stuff, well, when you do crowdfunder like this. So, well, that's the thing. Like the first page of your book sells the book. The last page of the book sells your next book. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. So, or or just know, a story they can chew on. You know, I'm giving you 144 pages. Is the first is the main book. Nice. 
god, what am I doing? I, I know how you feel. My one's currently 130 plus pages. And I put the plus Ooh. there because I know I'm a fucking sadist, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna end up adding extra fucking pages to flesh shit Corp. out. Of course, <laughs> it's always the way. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. It was. It was something else though, because. I had already done Monster MD, so I'm redoing it. And I'm like, dude, there's so much, there's so many scenes I could add to make this better. I need action here. I need drama there, you know. So it was a really cool revamp to add those extra pages, made me happy. Um, yeah. Made for a better book, for sure. Yes. Well, I find as a writer, when you're doing like the single issue floppies month to month, you're just like, oh, if only I had an extra two pages, that's all I need. And then all of a sudden, it's, <laughs> if only I had an extra eight pages. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all it takes sometimes, man. It, it make all the difference. I swear it really does. And I added a whole scene of them, of him fighting a golem and all this cool adventure to it that it really needed because you have, I, I kept looking at it for what it was, which was originally a low budget movie script. When you do those, you don't have CGI effects as often. Well, you do sometimes. Uh, an indie film, but it's not as accessible. It's not, or you can't do as big a shot. So I was definitely writing it for, you know, uh, practical effects, makeup, and just not too many big, crazy things happen. But now that I was in comics, I could do whatever I want. So exactly. we got giant golems. We've got a syringe harpoon that shoots off the truck. We've got like all this <laughs> awesome stuff that I want, that I wanted to do. Cause you know, budget is no object. I can just have them draw it. It's no, no problem. So yeah, that's that was kind of cool. The revamp, uh, just kind of beefing it up, beefing up the fights, yeah. beefing up the action and the adventure. So it's it's. I think people are going to enjoy it. It's not Shakespeare. It's just a fun um, book <laughs> and, a, and a little world. I'm kind of introducing you into. So and, and that's all it needs to be. Not everything needs yeah. to be Oscar winning or award winning in any way, shape, or form. And you know, like. You mentioned yourself you're a fan of like the 80s horror movies and stuff welcome to the family <laughs> on that one yes i knew i was in good company oh hell yeah like i saw one of your videos earlier where you said when you said something about um should i change it to von from vonster to vonster squad i was like monster squad reference fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally a monster squad reference and monster md that you're gonna love Oh, fantastic. I've already noticed the little They Live reference, which I was like, oh, fuck, yes, I am yes. all behind that. <laughs> we need that. We need that for sure. Um, it's been so awesome making this. It's I got to tell you, man, um, when I make stuff, part of the joy of it is I'm escaping for a little bit. And yeah. uh, all my problems seem to disappear. I'm not – my brain's not just – you know, uh, drowning in all the bullshit of this world, which there's so much now. I'm just, I, I, I gotta create. So it's, it's therapeutic for me. And in another way I've realized as I've been writing over the years is that there's, it's a lot of problem solving. And I find that, in, I find that so fascinating. Um, I, it's, it must, I feel like my brain's doing a lot of the same things when people are sitting down doing like a Sudoku or a crossword or something like I'm, I'm constantly finding the right word. I'm constantly finding or trying to listen to what the characters might say. Like, what would this character really say? And I have to find it. And when I do the, the satisfaction you get from that is just a great feeling, man. It's, it's awesome. It's like Michelangelo. Yeah. He said he could see the figure in the stone and he was just releasing them and car and like freeing them from it. Like you start to see 
your characters in this world and you're just documenting it at, at a certain point because in a weird way when you create or at least when i do when i get really into it it's like self-hypnosis before i yeah. know it i'm in the world just documenting what's happening and um and it's you are freeing the the figures you see from the stone uh you are not forcing it to happen it's just happening on its own in a, in a weird way in your imagination so it's all of that to me is like fun and satisfying and you can make money off it rather than just like sitting and solving a crossword puzzle which i you Hell know yeah. there's not much money in that <laughs> I, I i always describe it as being paid to have a daily play date with your imagination it's a great way to put it. <laughs> that, that's what it feels like to me every day I do this. It's like, okay, I get to just imagine and play and I put it down on paper and I have a great fucking time whilst everyone else is grumbling <laughs> about whatever's yeah. going on in the fucking news and stuff. And I also yeah. find that after, uh, you know, after so many years of writing and stuff, whenever like something comes up in my life that maybe i perceive it as a problem maybe i don't i tend to look at it and go okay well this is my story now so what kind of character arc am i on because if mm -hmm. i know that then that can help me navigate this situation that i found myself in. do you find yourself doing anything like that like thinking about the arcs to guide me yeah yeah as definitely as, as if your life is like a novel or, or a graphic novel and you're there going, oh, okay, so the page turn is coming up now. What's the surprise? <laughs> oh, yeah. As I've become, I think after writing Monster MD, I became a much better writer. Um, and especially for comics, because like I said, like I was, a, I considered myself a screenwriter and I shifted out um, to be honest with myself for once that, Comics are what I've been doing since I was little and what I actually love. And I'm just a comic book maker, man. So I, when it comes to characters and becoming, a, or when it comes to what you're talking about, the writing started to become, yeah, the character needs to have an arc. So we need to see them a certain way uh, and, and see their flaws and see, see how they, you know, change along the way. So yeah, I'm very, conscientious of that and then as i write i always think what question can i make the final panel on a page and so that that will be answered on the page turn uh yes. for sure um that is something that i love doing uh because that's where the entertain that's like another part of your entertainment for the reader to make them want to keep keep going yeah absolutely right. Yeah. absolutely so what bit of advice if you could only give one piece of advice to someone who's come up to you and said look i want to write comics i don't really know what i'm doing what what's the one piece of advice you would give to that person make comics and don't sweat it too much um <laughs> make comics and be honest with yourself that if you know what's not good about them so you can learn from them um and learn uh find artists that inspire you i'm mean, now i'm giving more than one piece of advice sorry but <laughs> no that's right you carry on find artists that inspire you and not just in terms of how they draw or what it looks like but how they creatively think how they how they how they solve problems creatively how they or how they achieve an impact on their audience that you like that had an impact on you how can you mimic that how can you emulate that and and use that as an effective tool on your audience 
Um, one of the things that is so frightening about today when it comes to mainstream comics and them kind of embracing uh, far, far like politically radical ideology and stuff is that everybody thinks the same. Yeah. Nobody thinks differently and there's not as much interest and they're more concerned with messaging over story and resonating with people. They want to resonate with you as if you're an angry activist who just loves their stuff. And, and it, you know, instead of as on a human level, on a real level, um, an emotional level, they, um, so it's, I, I find that that you know staying away from that and worrying more about the old school yeah also read old school stuff read the classics learn about hero's journey learn about three-act structure i'm a very i'm a stickler for structure um but i don't let the structure bog me down because i use the structure as like a fun map like a road trip and just because it's all structured out doesn't mean i have to follow it exactly it's a road trip if i want to go off over here and do this or rearrange that i'll do it it's part of the adventure um, Absolutely. So I guess if I had to give one piece is <laughs> set yourself up to have fun writing and creating. If it's not fun, you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because even uh, like a bad day writing is much better than the best day at like uh, working in retail or like cleaning yes. toilets for a living, you know? <laughs> Truth. It's true, man. It's true. And because at least I got some writing done. Like it's because it's like going to the gym and working out your creative muscles every time you write. So yeah, absolutely. Are are you someone who believes in writer's block? And if you no. do, you don't. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Neither do I. <laughs> I got in trouble for. I, I remember that's when I did not get a job in Chicago. Was when I looked them in the eye at an interview and I said, "Yeah, I don't believe in writer's block." And you'd think they'd be like, "Oh, that's cool," or "That's interesting," and they just yeah. they just grinned at me and went, "Oh, really? Well." that's a problem. And I was just like, why is that a problem? I said, there's no problem. And you're telling me that's a problem. Like writer's block. I, I think it's an excuse to not write when you're, the job is to write, isn't it? I mean, like it's writing. Isn't just putting like writing down what happens on the paper. It's research. It's, it's structuring. It's uh character design. It's, or character development. It's, um, it's think it's, it's sitting, it is sitting and thinking. And if you don't know what to do next, then there's something you need to fit. You need to figure that out, which is part of writing. Um, and then you'll be able to move forward with your script or whatever. But I, I, I think, right. Like here, here's how I look at it. Is there such a thing as carpenter's block? <laughs> Not that I've heard of. <laughs> no. Well then why would there be writer's block? Like why? Like what? Why do we get the block? Does anyone have like a photography block? You have a, I can't take a picture. Like bullshit. Like there's no like we're craftsmen. Just craft. And if you're in, there might be days where you don't know what to do, but then that's when you go back and maybe do a little research or restructure or or like think about your characters more, and the solution will present itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I find more often than not when I've spoken to people who are like, oh, I've got writer's block. I, I'm kind of like, well, is it really writer's block? Or is it that you've got a lot of shit on your mind that you need to deal with first because it's it's bringing you down? Yeah. You know, I, I do think that it's more a symptom of like a more deeper underlying issue than it really is writer's block. Because like you, I, I don't believe in writer's block. I get up and I write, even if I write absolute horse shit 
for like yeah. three hours and it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> I, I've still fucking written, haven't I? <laughs> you have, and you've worked out those muscles, and you've worked, and and that's that stuff is material that you could cannibalize to use in another story later. It could be anything. It could be used in all kinds of ways, guys. It's ma it's material. That's what's important. When you give yourself, when you believe in the block, you're I think setting yourself up to to fail. Um, yeah, just don't believe in it. <laughs> That's it. Just don't believe it. Can't it. Hurt you. it can't hurt you if you don't believe in it. So That's right. You know? right. And we got a question for you from Bristolian Dave. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, when it comes to scripting your comic, do you prefer a free form script or a strict page by page script? I, I write a strict page by page script. But that's just me. When it comes to my beliefs on creating a comic, I think whatever works for you, you should do it. Um, so it's cool if it's different than me. Yeah. But what I like to do is I have such specific visions for things. And I'm so, I mean, right down to like the facial expression that I write these very, you know, I write a script. I write each panel. I describe it. I get, I have the dialogue. I have a great um, comic book writing uh, script uh, app or software that kills it. It makes it fast and easy to do and everything comes out professional and artists when they see it, love it. Cause it's very pro it's very clean. So like I'm very rigid in a way, but in another way I write it so that there's room for the artist to interpret and have fun drawing. Cause I want their job to be fun too. So I'm not like, I don't over like I keep the my descriptions relatively simple and I'm not over picky and I try to give the artist that leeway. So while I'm rigid, I'm also like open to interpretation. So I, I don't write uh, to. Yeah, I don't overdo it. Let's just say I try to find a balance uh, with yeah, my you, script. You're not going all Ann and more and taking like three pages of script right. to describe half a panel. <laughs> 100% right. I can't do that. I want him to have, or he or she to have the leeway to draw what they, what they feel is the best. But I also, I am doing panel by panel. Like it is a solid professional comic book script. That's what I like. I, I like to have, you know, um, a, I, it's just how I write. It's how I like it. So before I do any of that, I have a very, I do have a structure. That's kind of my guide. And I like to, I have a character sheet and then I have character designs and then I, I have always make a folder of inspirational images too. <laughs> so it's like a whole process pre-production. So roughly like how long do you think you spend in between the concept of the idea and the actual starting to write the script, just doing things like research and putting together like all the, the materials that you need? Hmm, that's a great question. Every, every script is different, but the way it's going now, since I finished Monster MD, I've written, I wrote an, a 200 page new comic book fully. Nice. Um, and I've written, and I've gotten other jobs writing comics for people. I've written short scripts. I've written, and I'm writing a whole new other book right now. I started another one. I'm on page like 20 something. Um, let's see. I spend about a day or two uh, gathering inspirational images, um, which isn't hard. It's fun. It's, it's part of that whole setting yourself up for fun thing. Go to Pinterest and just dive into what, you know, and pull a bunch of images into a folder. I spend, I'll spend like about a couple days 
figuring out the characters and and doing research and then writing what I call just my notes page, which is just, it. there's no structure to it. It's just every idea I think is cool, whether it be a cool line or like a really good visual, um, or it could be really cool ideas that are also world building. Basically it's an anything soup where everything is mixed up together into a bunch of random notes. Um, and then from those, those dense notes, I start to, I use those notes and ideas. Once I, I get a, I start to get a feel from them. Like this is a story Yeah. at a certain point. I'm like, this is dense. This is healthy. This, this, the characters are kind of starting to develop in my mind. I'm getting a, I'm, this is a story waiting to happen. It's like, you have all the materials now. Now we, how do we, how do we craft this? So I, then it'll take me, I don't know how long it takes, but it doesn't take long because I write a structure. Um, a three act structure. It's very bullet pointy and it's like act one. And then I give act one, like a cool name, like a chapter. Um, and then, oh yeah. And then there's the whole process of designing my own characters, which can take some time too. So I have to draw those, color those, get them digitally done and then get them over to, uh, my artists. So yeah, man, like it'll take pre-production. Doesn't take that long though. Um, it could take like three weeks, like two or three weeks. Uh, and that's like constant work. Um, if I didn't have to go to my full-time job, God knows how much I get done. You know, you, you've mentioned that you, uh, that you're a stickler for structure and everything. Do you ever veer away from the three act structure? Do you dabble with a five act structure at any point or is it always the three act structure? It's always three acts right now. Um, I've never messed with the other, like people do four acts, five acts, uh, Shakespeare will do like five acts and stuff. Yeah. I never studied it. So I don't delve into it. If I studied it, maybe I'd see the usefulness of making that type of structure for a certain type of story. And then I would, um, still have yet to study that though. Cause you know, I'd rather know it inside and out before I delve into like, yeah. what, why would I have other acts? You know what I mean? Like um, Shakespeare used them. I could just study that and then I'd be able to, but I, I just, I'm so content with my, my three acts right now. And it's work. It's, it's got such a good flow to it that I'm, you know, just enjoying that. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Do do you, um do you buy into the theory of the tortured artist, especially when it comes to writing? Do you, do you, do you feel that the better books come from the tortured artists or do you think it really doesn't fucking matter? I think people who are tortured can resonate and see other people's who are tortured through their work better than people who aren't. And it will have a bigger impact on those people. The whole tortured artist thing is interesting um, because I've struggled so hard not to be that because you see it's, it can be cliche or whatever. And yet I'm, I'm beat up, man. Like I'm, I'm not perfect. Like I'm, I've had life whoop my ass for years and I do, I admit I do create to escape the torment of living. And I do think that a lot of the things that hurt me end up in my books, but then in within the stories, there are these really beautiful things that kind of like undo those things or that you see these characters heal or grow or, or become or redeem themselves, right? And those make me feel good too. So it's not just all about misery with me as much as it is combating it. I mean, the more I live in this world, the more I see it as messy 
and dark and messed up. And then the people who bring light to it are amazing. They're heroes. They're, they're, they're making people happy. They're, they're, they're bringing light to this dark kind of, uh, I would say the universe is very indifferent. It's very, uh, it doesn't give a damn. Um, and so I, <laughs> so I create with the idea in mind that I'm bringing at least a little light, a little glimmer to to this gaping abyss that we're all rummaging around in. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, like I so in a weird way, like while I don't like to believe in the cliche of the tormented artist, I have to admit myself like I am a bit of a tormented artist. and I think it does show in my work and in my personality in ways. And I think. Um, in a weird way, I deal with that torment through my work. Um, and I think a lot of good artists do too. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to admit something and I, I think I've said this before, but I will go through like a breakup. I have, I've had like a very like room. I like women <laughs> and I go, I go through, I've gone through a lot of women, um, especially as a guy who lived in Chicago and I've gone through a lot of breakups. I've lost a lot of people I've cared about. And a lot of times I've noticed when I'm at my lowest in a breakup, I start creating really intensely and it really gets me through things. Um, yeah. And then when I'm done creating, I look back at the comic <laughs> and what I was dealing with is in the comic and I didn't plan for it. It just happened. I remember once I dated someone who thought they were just God's gift to men and thought she was like a little queen. And then the end of the story has the guy is in love with this girl and has done everything for her. And she betrays him. And then she of course used him so she could become the new queen. And she puts on the crown and like, she's all, and she's stabbed. She he's on the ground with a sword through him. And like, and she's like, you know, she's ruined everything. And then he uses his ability, his power, and his power is to make any like anything he can focus on near him super sharp. So he sharpens the crown and then it just starts like slicing into her scalp and blood and she pulls it off and it scalps her and she dies. And, and I remember like, I just wrote that thinking it was cool in the story. But then when I look back on it, I mean, in a way it felt a lot like what happened to my, like a metaphor, if you will, for my relationship loss. And, uh, and I realized, and I started laughing about it because I started to look back on all these things I've made over the years in comics and realizing, yeah, man, I was going through, I was dealing with this girl back then with that. And then with this issue, you know, with this book, I was dealing with that, like monster MD, I was going through something too. Um, and it's cool. It's cool that that, ha I mean, I'm fine with it. It's kind of funny. Um, and, but it's also kind of relevant to my work, I guess you could say. So yeah, like life tragedies happen and I create to deal with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a much better way to deal with them than going, right. I need a gun. <laughs> I need a hammer. Or I need some, a box of Smurfs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's instead of like, why contribute to destruction? Like everyone else seems to be doing around me when I can create and I can make something that set makes me happy, helps me deal with it. Helps me get out of the abyss a little bit. And then, uh, and then also you make other people happy when it entertains them. So win-win. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Ash and Jackal in the, in the chat. Good evening, Ash. And how the yes. devil art thou? He mm -hmm. says, Von, can I hire you to help me write? Yes. There you yes, go. I do. I do need to take on more. Like I've been getting writing jobs and helping people with writing. I've helped people with their campaigns a lot in Comics Gate. I'm happy to help. But if you want to hire me, 
pay me to help you write, I will gladly do it. Um, I've been thinking about making YouTube videos on how to how I write to help people too lately. So yes, work in progress. Trust me, it's worth doing that because I've been doing that with my YouTube channel for quite a while, and people just flock to it like flies to shit, and they love it. I think there are so many people out there they can find drawing tutorials no fucking problem there's there's millions of right. out there but finding yeah. tutorials on just the basic things like okay here's a page turn this is how important a page turn is set it up just right and you'll be mm -hmm. on to a fucking winner so yeah. i think the more videos like that man especially from yourself will really help people out and they'll be like yes this is exactly what we needed I, I I'll gladly do that. I made one as a tester thinking it was going to be about 10 minutes. It was 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to rethink my format here and, and, uh, and see what I can do. Like maybe I'll do one video on like how I structure one video on how I do notes and research one video on how I, how I get my visuals, you know, things yeah. like that. Um, it's a process that I developed over years of making stuff and failing. Yeah. And, and that's what life is. And people don't realize is especially in the arts, you're setting yourself up to get a lot of rejection, a lot of failure. And, uh, and as you, but if you keep at it, you will learn things, you will get better, you will grow. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And Bristolian Dave says, I would 100% watch mm. more writing tutorials. So you've already got a new subscriber right there. If he's not already subscribed to your channel. Brilliant. Um, Speaking of which, there are links in the description box down below where you can find the Indiegogo campaign for Monster MD, where you can find Von Klaus's Twitter. I believe I've added your Instagram and YouTube in there as well. So hopefully this will get Thank a few more people coming to your stuff. I've also got to ask, with books like Monster MD, do you do you ever get anyone emailing you or tweeting you going, how dare you? How dare you write this filth? Or do you just generally get people going, dude, this looks fucking amazing. When can I get it? Yeah, everyone loves it. <laughs> no, one hates, no one hates my book enough. I need to I need to write better books or more messed up books or something. Yeah, I, I don't think I've had any filth. I think I've <laughs> claims of filth. Everyone just goes, oh, this is such a good idea. They always say, I wish I had thought of the idea it's such an obvious idea, but no one's done it. And that's what they like. And that's one of the things that I recommend to creators is it's tricky. Um, but I like to have ideas that are both kind of like, you haven't seen it before, but it has a familiarity to it. It has a, like, and you instantly get it. It's higher concept. Um, it's something that I think can make things, give things more appeal. Um, keep it simple. Doctor to the monsters. Boom. Like we haven't seen it, but it's something that isn't too far fetched or crazy. It's, it's, you know, so yeah, it's my ideas. I like to be both like intriguing and fun, but also like have a little bit of marketability to them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think of your elevator pitch before you start writing or do you get all the writing work out of the way and then figure out your elevator pitch? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've noticed that I, as I write and I'm developing the story and the notes and the ideas, I will also jump over to working on my elevator pitch 
and like in like a sketchy way, I'll write like a few sentences that tell the story and then I'll start editing it a little bit as I go. And then by the time I'm done planning the story and getting my structure, I may come up with better ideas for like how to make a more exciting elevator pitch. And I go back to the elevator pitch. So yes, on my, in my notes section, you'll have a log line, which is in film. That's like one or two sentences that succinctly describes your story and helps sell it to like a producer. So they know what it is before they read the script. Um, a log line is a pretty good way to, to keep yourself focused on what you're making. That's part of why I like to make it towards the beginning of my process. Um, the log line keeps me in check um, and focused. And it also, it's a great thing to have for when you finally start campaigning. Um, you've got a log line you could drop on Twitter or drop into your campaign that lets people know what this is. So uh, that log line ends up becoming great uh, material once again, we're harvesting and cannibalizing material to create your elevator pitch. Um, so yeah, I, do, I, and then even after I start campaigning, I'm always polishing and figuring out ways to better my elevator pitch. So I, I, to me, an elevator pitch is kind of like a living <laughs> product. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. It's always no, that does make sense. <laughs> for me. Um, so yeah. Yeah, man, figure, I like to figure out my log line and elevator pitch stuff in the beginning, but I'm open to it changing as I go, not yeah. too rigid. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's great advice for an elevator pitch because I'm exactly the same when I'm thinking about the elevator pitch. I'm just there like this. I write it down and then I'm like, this isn't going to be the same tomorrow or next week. It's going to change. Let it just, just deal with it. You know? Yeah, but at least you have it. It's something. It's it can be changed. It can be thrown out. It can be used to make something even better. I mean, that's what life is: is you build a house. You don't just build a house. You build a foundation. You build. You know, these structures need support. So, you know, always be writing and 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 building things. And if it doesn't go anywhere, that's fine. To this day, I swear, I take ideas from other stories that are never going to come out, and they end up getting cannibalized for current stories all yes. the time. Oh, I um, what was one I used recently? Um, what was one I like? I know, like that story is never going to happen, but I totally stole the idea and put it in another one of my other ones. That's what happens a lot. <laughs> I can't remember, but yeah, it's it's fun to do. It's it's worth doing because you have, you know, art. To me, artists are always looking for material. We're like scavengers. Yeah. scavenging creatures who yes. will see a movie and we won't like the movie, but they'll have that one thing <laughs> that we love. <laughs> the lighting, right? the mood, or that one shot, that one fucking shot that mm. you're like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That one costume, that one violent moment, whatever, you know, so it's scavenge away people and store it, store it on your computer and you might do something with it. You might not. It's funny what'll happen because you'll be working on something else, not thinking about, that project or those ideas from the past. And then you'll suddenly find yourself go, Oh yeah, I should use that, you know, and <laughs> makes it better. Every time. Now, Ash and Jackal said something interesting here. He, he's the one who's asked you if he can hire you to help him. write. He's just pointed out that he's dyslexic. Now, oh, what, yeah. what advice would you give the people who are dyslexic who want to write comics? Oh man, that's, that can be tough. I have a brother who suffers from that. Um, and he, it's harder for him to read stuff and write. Uh, it's how you, it's how you visualize things, um, can be wonky, but I wanted to, I'll tell you something interesting about me. Um, 
this is weird to talk about because it's relatively new in my life. And it's, okay. and when I talk to people about it, they most of the time don't seem to believe me, which makes me kind of frustrated, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I've learned, I've been diagnosed, I have a hearing disorder. And it, it does affect the way I hear things uh, in a lot of ways. It's harder for me to hear things when there's a lot of background noise. My, my, my auditory nerve doesn't divide up sound. Um, it just makes it one big wall like I'm under the sea trying to listen to you and I can't hear a damn thing you're saying. Um, and it happens a lot and I hate it and it's embarrassing and it's hard for me to like even like order food at a place sometimes or or like be, I can't be in a bar and like, you know, talk to people as easily as other people. I don't know how they do it. This looks like magic to me when it happens. And uh, so it's harder for me to enjoy myself because then I become frustrated because I'm just sitting there not hearing or understanding anything around me. Um, so, but what's interesting about it is, is I came, I realized and kind of came to terms with, I hear things differently. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it can make me mispronounce things too. It's weird. Anyway, but like, I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I could use it as a double, it could be a double-edged sword that I use to my advantage where I hear things differently. So therefore I can write better dialogue. That's more interesting. Um, or I will, you know, I will hear the rhythm of things differently in my comics. And so I'll use different sound effects on things. So I, what I did was I realized how I could use that to my advantage. I would recommend someone with dyslexia to, to see how it gives you a unique take on writing and, and, and visualizing things and use that to your advantage rather than see it as, as a full um, way to like uh, a, a way that fully stops you. Now this person's dyslexia could be something that's, you know, so hard that it's not able to be used as an advantage though. So I don't, you know, I'm not going to tell you to just, to just use it as an advantage, like, Oh, just use it. As an advantage. Like it's, it could be, it could be something that I don't understand that, you know what I mean? Like they could be dealing with something that really makes it hard. So um, if, but in a way, try to visualize it as something that's not necessarily a full disability. Use it as something that's just like part of what makes you unique and interesting uh, to your work. Yeah, you know? that is fucking great advice. Absolutely fantastic. Now, Jake mm. here, he says, one Klaus, do you use a production Bible? Not technically, but I mean, what I have could be all shoved in a Bible. You know, um, I have a folder full of my inspirational images or I'll make like image boards. And then I have my folder of character designs. And then I've got my folder of notes and ideas and then I have my folder of structure. So it's and then my full, yeah, my folder of all the characters and like their personalities. So it's, it's, you know, it could, could be combined into a production Bible, I guess, but tech, I've, I've studied production Bibles only briefly in film school for like TV shows and stuff. And I understand them and they're fine, but like, I don't feel like I have to do them, uh, for my comics, you know, um, I could combine them all and be like, this is the production Bible and that'd be fine. But like, I just, instead, I just, <laughs> I just send a bunch of links to my artists, like to a folder full of images. And then, a, and then I send them my notes, you know, and that's it. It's real simple. See, if you're anything like me, there's no such thing as a production Bible. There's lots of loose yeah. leaves of paper. There's lots of half filled journals mm -hmm. and they all connect somehow. I don't know how, but they do. <laughs> yes. And it's not, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. <laughs> you just yeah, do it. Exactly. As, as long as I deliver the script and it makes sense, I'm okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. And it, just do your job as a writer and people will be like, wow, that's cool. But they'll have no idea the amount of like insane connections you had to make happen. And that actually that what you bring up is interesting to me because that's another thing I tell people when it comes to giving advice on writing is a lot of the good stuff that you enjoy is about connections. How do you connect this character to um, this tragedy in their past to what's happening in the current plot and of your story? How do you, how do you make, um, how do you, how do you make metaphor like visual metaphors out of things that connect to an aspect of that character's personality? Um, it's it, to me, writing is part of the beauty of it is pointing out connections that you see that other people aren't able to see, but then when you put it in a story, they're able to see it and they feel more connected to the world around them or to that character. It's just amazing. It's magic, man. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. There, I don't think there's a day that goes past where I'm like, okay, I know this is a craft, but it does feel like I'm a wizard almost. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to like put together this magical formula and summon yeah. something. <laughs> well, that's why when we, we make words, they call it spelling. It's exactly. a spell. Because you that's know. how you cast a spell, was to spell then, a word. And then the spell you create creates visuals in someone's mind as they read it, and then it creates emotions as they feel it and enjoy, hopefully enjoy it, and you're just like, you are a freaking wizard, man. <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard. <laughs> and we got another comment from Ash and Jackal, who's the one who, who uh, mentioned his dyslexia. He says, I, I have been told I am a great writer, but I've been working on one comic for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely got to be, you know, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've been working on Monster MD since 2015. <laughs> um, if if it takes that long and it's it's your opus, awesome. But if, if his uh, dyslexia is holding him back, I'm more than happy to help. I think we could, I could help teach things or help him get it done. If that all, you know. Um, because yeah, it's about time you got it done. I'm glad that people are liking your writing though, Jackal. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, don't, don't worry about the fact that it's taken you two years. I mean, I only launched my lady Satan campaign on December 7th. I've had that character and been playing about her story since about 2014, 2015. So sometimes it does take a bit of time. Sometimes a story is a bit like a fine wine. You need to just let it mature for a little bit and then attack it. Very true. So you'll have stories sitting on your hard drive for years and suddenly it'll call out to you and it's time to do it. You know, it just happens. You can't, you can't just say, I'm going to do this unless you're totally pumped and focused on it. It just, it's how I pick my stories is like, which one is, is hassling me the most yes. um, and just needs to be, needs to be made. So, and if it takes a really long time, you'll be fine. Like um, it's, it's, there's, there's no deadline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no editor breathing down your neck and barking at you saying, where are these fucking pages? I needed them 10 months ago. Yeah. Damn so right. That- fun of doing it yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get to take your time and make it the best that you can make it and people will love it because of that because you put all that passion and power and energy into it over this period of time damn right you know what i'm getting your book right now um bless you in your cotton socks this i I love i already love the character uh lady satan um but i need i need to get 
I need to get this. <laughs> this looks awesome. Yes, yes, because because we because you asked me on Twitter like if it was related to the Golden Age public domain character. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you said something about you've got a hot take on Lady Satan. I'm really intrigued because she kind of is and kind of isn't related to it. What what I've done is in her backstory when she was a child, she needed to escape. She got a lot of bullying at school, a lot of bullying at home from her parents. And she got in comic books and she found the old school Lady Satan stuff. So when she became oh, nice. a stripper, when she became a stripper when she was older, she was like, I want to honor this. My stage name's going to be Lady Satan. Oh, that's and great. When, <laughs> and then when she became a vigilante, she was like, Well, I guess I'm Lady Satan, whether I fucking like it or not. <laughs> right, right. It just kind of like kind of happened. Mine, um, mine is a okay, so Lady Satan, for those who don't know, uh classic golden age character wore like a red hooded cloak and was just straight up a chick who would kill Nazis. That was it. It was the thirties. We didn't like the Nazis. She, her husband was like firebombed by them or something. Or no, he was, he was on a ship that got bombed yeah. and it sank. Yeah. And she was just like, I'm killing you mofos. And that was it. Real simple, classic vigilante or, you know, vengeful character. And then later for no explicable reason, she became magic and yes. just used magic and <laughs> it could do almost any magic. Actually, she didn't have like a lot of rules to her powers and they had fun with that for a little bit. So what did I do? Well, I, I put her in the red cloak. I put her in the hood and I gave her her guns, but I also made her magic. And so... <laughs> My Lady Satan is a gun witch who uses the power of magic and guns. And she has these floating, uh, nine, uh, what is it? Floating handguns around her. Oh, nice. uh, like Colt 1911s are floating around her that like can turn and shoot where she needs to. And she's got the two handguns in her hands too. And she just like unloads on people while looking all witchy and creepy and cool has like some sweet, uh, uh, big heavy barrel blasters in the heels of her high heels on her boots and like just blast people. So she's a crazy gun toting gun, witch. she'll also like has these sigil, like magic sigils that appear at the barrels of her guns that like make the bullets shoot harder, faster, deeper, what have you. So like, she's a badass, and she's only called lady Satan because the Nazis uh, cult named her that uh, to, because she was just, she was just killing them in the war and, and um, you know, what have you? It, tur it turns out we've had some similar thought processes and some very different ones concerning this character. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, man. It, it, I mean, like, it sounds that you've gone, right, here's what I've got to play with. I need to make this work. How do I fill in the gaps? Whereas I went, how do I make it my own? Like, I don't need to worry right. about this shit. She's a blank canvas, technically. But I was even playing with the fact that she uses chaos magic. So there are sigils that appear throughout the oh, There you go. Yeah. And, and there, and there, uh, in the first draft, there was going to be a scene where she's carving sigils into the end of bullets. Oh, and nice. Then charging those sigils and then using them in a shootout. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> So, so you cool. know what you know what's going to happen now. People are going to be like, "Hold on, Lady Satan versus Lady Satan." Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Why not? I mean, yours is more modern, and mine is more like you know, classic '30s meets you know. Yeah. Uh, or, or in the story I have her, and it's more like 1960s, 70s, maybe even 80s. Actually, it's it's a it's a little while after the war, and uh, she still looks she still looks damn fine, and uh, but she's. She's definitely a kind of ninja. She moves real fast and just blazes those guns and takes mofos out. She has a ability called Sincere, 
where she can um, she can make you relive right before your eyes like your worst sin, your worst atrocity, uh, and kind of melt your mind a little bit, terrify you. So yeah, she's she's got some cool things going on. Um, uh, but yeah, yours sounds badass too. I just bought it. <laughs> oh, bless you and your cotton socks, good sir. That's fucking awesome of you, man. <laughs> How'd you know that? Oh, were- <laughs> well, you know, I've got cameras in many places. What can I fucking say? <laughs> no, but I think you're going to dig it. It gets very dark. I mean, like, I'm hoping Oof. there's going to be at least four books after this, and each one gets progressively darker and darker and darker. Yeah. Oh, man. This is going to be cool. I'm getting into this. Yeah. She looks oh, cool. Yeah. I like how she's kind of her own chick, though. She's just kind of based off of the original. That that was a good idea for your more modern take. Yeah, yeah I, I I felt so. Like when when I when I saw the character and I started thinking about it, I was like, "What have you got to go through that makes you go? You know what the most appropriate name for me is, Lady Satan? Like whatever it is, right. it's got to be pretty fucking bad." And like, yeah, right. before, <laughs> before long, I'm thinking she was in a snuff film and survived. You can't get much worse than that. <laughs> that I read that and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Who survives a snuff film, like. Exactly. How many people do you know that have survived a snuff? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> and that's just horrific in general. Like the snuff film yeah. world. Just you're immediately, just hearing that term, you're like, okay, this is dark. This is seedy as hell. Um, yes. Cool stuff. I liked the idea of Lady Satan getting her name from just being magical and evil and just murderous, you know? So yeah, but it, that's what was cool about those old 30s characters, right? They wanted names that almost sounded like they were better attributed to a villain. You had Black Terror, Lady Satan, yeah. uh, Daredevil, stuff like that. It was Nightmare and Sleepy. Oh, yeah? yeah. Those guys were badass, man. They, I'm, I'm going to work on them at some point. I don't know when, but I've got a few ideas ticking. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And you're going to have to let me know when your Lady Satan is done so I could be like, cool, I'm returning the favor. I'm getting that book, man. I I want to show you the uh, the character design is finished. And uh, it's special. It's awesome. I'm going to show you it. <laughs> oh, oh it. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe I can just DM it right now. But like, we don't, I don't, you don't have to put it on the show or anything because I haven't unleashed yeah. these yet. They're kind of more okay. secret. But uh, <laughs> let me... Uh, show you send this to you but yeah man it's it's been quite a like i love doing the character designs yeah getting them down before i go absolutely it's it's something cool so when i saw your lady satan i was like oh sweet like i i just did another you know my own take let's see what see what she can uh see what he does and and that's the other great thing about these public domain characters is seeing everyone's take hearing everyone's uh voice on the page yeah. Yeah. Hear that. Hear that. Uh, hear that lady Satan. Hear that lady Satan. A sec- dark comic with a sexy lady. Okay. Tweet. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Beautiful. So I've got to ask because you brought up Comicsgate a couple of times. What attracted <laughs> you to becoming part of Comicsgate? It's really funny. I was originally going to just be a YouTuber who commented on all the nasty stuff that's going on in our arts and our industry as an artist, especially one who studied art history so much for so long and appreciated it. And I've, I see what's going on and I know it's doing real damage. 
And so I was just going to comment and then, and I was going to, and I, cause I was, I remember, I'll admit it. Like I was a little scared. I was trying to launch a real career for the first time in my life. Like, well, yeah, get a real deal career going. And I didn't want to get canceled by SJWs and I wanted to criticize them. So I was going to just be like a faceless YouTuber who criticized their stuff and laughed at it and whatever. But I was making comics behind the scenes. And so as comics gate evolved and things happened with your boy, Zach of diversity in comics and Ethan Van Skyver of cyber frog, like things were happening to them that were wrong and things were getting bigger. And I started to, it, it kind of was it, the solution just, became apparent to almost all of us at the same time. We have to make our own books. Well, I was already making my own books. I wasn't planning on crowdfunding them. I was putting them like the old version of monster MD used to just be a free thing on uh, tapas. If you've ever been to tapas, I, I uh, heard of it. it's just free comics. And you know, you read them like little web comic and you go on with your day and you develop a little fan base. My plan back then was develop the fan base, then crowdfund. Um, but comics gate happened and I was like, no, we need to make comics that say that, that say to the industry, like, Hey, we need something else or the people or the people, the fans want something else. The fans are being treated terribly. The attitude towards us is evil and wrong and, and, and killing sales. And, and I, we just kind of needed to show them how it's done, so to speak. Um, so monster MD got, you know, Re, re brand, revamped uh, with Marco and me and Tanya. And I just haven't looked back ever since. That's how I, I've been there since the beginning. I watched the, the term get coined. I watched uh, all this horrible stuff go down where they were blacklisting people or, um, and they were, or, and I watched your boy Zach get his comic announced by Antarctic press and then get his comic told that they weren't going to do it because of Mark Wade's interference. And uh, it's just, it was, something that I'm pretty passionate about. When I lived in Chicago, that place considers itself very progressive and very uh, with the times, but everything they're doing is so un, is so um, clown world and bizarre and unhealthy and, un, and just kind of discriminatory. And that's part of why I couldn't make a life there. Everyone who was interviewing me, I could tell like they just kind of, they didn't, I feel like being like a white dude in Chicago, like you're kind of, you know, you're looked down upon more. The first time I was ever called a racist in my life was in Chicago, was under the Obama era. It just, this more kind of far left activism culture and way of thinking and seeing the world just started kind of bubbling up um, in my, in, you know, in my life and in my world in Chicago. So it was, it was not fun. And I just, I, I went to something that I thought was going to be about the art of making video games, but it wasn't, it was about activism and about how there's too many white men in video games and how that's a big problem and about how freedom of speech is a problem. And I just, I saw it for what it was. These people are wrecking balls and they're, um, they're, you're, they're ruining the fun. They're ruining our culture. They're ruining our arts. They're ruining, they're curbing expression left and right. If it's not getting canceled, it's getting censored. It's getting, you know, um, it's getting called a Nazi. So your work won't get up, you know, getting blacklisted. So it's just, that started me on the road to learning about what was going on in our culture and, and just deciding to come out against it. Um, it's wrong. It's, I think all artists should get to create however they want. Um, if you're a far left activist, anarcho-communist like Alan Moore, but you like, you make good stuff. I don't care. I'm going to read your stuff still. 
you know? Um, but instead it's become, you're either with us or you're against us. And if you're white and you're male, there's, there's a problem with you. There's too many of you and you've clearly discriminated against all the other people um, who wanted to be a part of this and you kept them out, which is, you know, I don't believe that's true. I just, I think comics have had great women and minorities in it since the thirties. Um, I'm sure some discrimination has happened in some way uh, over the years. I don't think, um, I don't think in general that to, to this day that it's like a, it's a real problem. I think, but I think they've brought discrimination back in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's wrong. So I speak out against that, but I also, in the end, I just want to make really awesome books and, sh and make them wish they could hire me, but they won't, they won't hire me. Um, I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm, I don't want to work for him anymore. And that's kind of sad to realize like, I, uh, the little kid me grew up wanting to work for Marvel comics. That's all yes. I loved. Yeah. That's all I loved. But older me is like, yeah, I don't need you guys. I'm making my own stuff. Um, and I don't need to be blacklist. You, know, you can blacklist me, whatever you want to do, but I'll make my own stuff and we'll just let the audience decide if they want me or want, you know, tranny Thor or whatever you want to make today. I don't know. I don't care. How stupid. It's all about messaging over humanity. I hate that. Like, I can't. How do you how do you even expect that to entertain people just because it entertains you and makes you raise your fist and go, yeah, you know, uh, the, the oppressed are powerful now. Like, no, you're not. It's just a it's just a comic book. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they used to be powerful, you know, with your imagination and what and what moves you and what what makes you feel good about the world. What makes you uh, what brings you joy? Because that's where it's at. <laughs> Sorry, I'm rambling now. It's just no, no, that's fine. I got. I've been thinking a lot lately about all this stuff because I've been stressed out and trying to get Monster MD in people's hands and trying to work on other stuff. And it's yeah. just, it's been something else, man. I'm really happy with what I've created, though. I'm really proud of it and proud of all the different artists I've been getting to work with in Comics Eight. That's part of the fun. Yes. Um, meeting these amazing people and what you guys are making. Oh, it's awesome. Indie comics. I, I do think the the indie scene at the moment is just second to none. I haven't picked up one book from the indies that I've got to the end of and then gone, oh shit, why did I waste money on that? You, you know? yeah. I always get I always get to the end of it and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy gonna do next? And when? Damn right. Yeah. Well, I hope you feel that way about Monster MD, man. Oh, I'm sure I will, man. I'm sure I will. I can't wait to read that book. Do you think that at any point in the future you might work with a publish publisher, say like a publisher like Alterna Comics? Oh yeah, I love Alterna. Um, I I love Peter Samedi. Um, yes. I love the way he does comics. I love his takes on things. If he wants to hire me for something, I'm open to discussions, 100. If anyone wants to hire me, that's more in the indie-ish side of things uh, or a smaller company that has a lot more freedom for their creators. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm you know I've worked with a lot of different artists to make. Uh, I worked for. Um, uh, Tales from the Classroom with Rob Muerto recently, and that was great. Um, doing a mummy redneck story, mummy bus driver, and and he's, it's <laughs> it's such a cool story. It's that whole like the person has a, a menial job that you don't even think about or even like respect, and then behind the scenes they're like this. They have this great epic story <laughs> of like amazing, you know, amazing accomplishments and craziness. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was a really fun one to write. I've worked with people, but yeah, man, if a publisher wants to hire me to write something for them, 
it, it'll depend on if they're going to give me that leeway, that freedom to really do it Vaughn style. That's the way I like to do things. So. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> what, what, what's, the, what's the point in hiring you if they won't let you do it the way you do it? Yeah, I'm going to, you need to hire me so I can bring my flavor to your books and I will, and it will sell, I, I believe. I know I haven't, once I get Monster MD in hands, I'll let people decide, but I, I'm pretty confident in my work. I feel good about it. And so you should be, because everything that you've got up on that campaign looks fucking spectacular. Oh, awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. Comics need to be more than just what people assume they are, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely, man. Von Klaus, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to sit down and talk for you on the show. And I, I sincerely hope that we get to do this again at some point in the future. Yeah, likewise, Lucifer. I mean, thanks for having me and talking to you has been amazing. Your questions are great. Your interview is are fun. Um, so yeah, man, I hope we can do it again. Oh, I'm sure we will, especially when you go, okay, here's the next book. I'm going to launch it soon. I'll, I'll be straight on Twitter going, right, you're coming on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When you see the things I have planned for the future, oh, man. Oh, it's better than, I mean, I love Monster MD with all my heart, but this is like, I feel like I'm stepping up even more. So everybody look out. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and everybody, just to remind you, take a look in that description box down below because you will find a link to the Indiegogo campaign for Monster MD. You will also find links to Von Klaus's social media. So that's YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And whilst you're at it, if you don't mind, like I said, I did an interview the other day with, with uh, Indie Comics Underground. You might want to check that out and also check out my campaign for Lady Satan and Angel yeah, yeah. in a dress. Which yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I'm sure it's going to offend a few people, and if it does, then I've then I've done my job right, you know. <laughs> Do it. Do it to oh, it. Yeah. Um, I I love it. X stripper and everything. Don superhero. Like we need more of those. <laughs> I I agree. I absolutely 100% agree. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of I Have Issues. I will be back tomorrow with Russ Comic Book Black Belt Leech for an episode of Is It Just Us? And then on Monday, I'll be back for another I Have Issues with the awesome-tacular Ryan Wynn from Gods and Gears. And I'm looking forward oh, to nice. that.